All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. In today's episode, we will be recapping divisional round from the NFL this weekend. The Bucks defeat the Saints in what could uh, very likely be Drew Brees' final game in his legendary career. We'll talk about his legacy And we'll talk about some of the other action around the league from this weekend, including the Chiefs surviving the Browns despite losing Patrick Mahomes to a concussion that could potentially keep him out of the AFC Championship game. We will also talk about uh, NFL head coaching hires. To this point, most of the job has been filled. We'll give our thoughts on the best and the worst. We'll also talk about the uh, now former general manager of the New York Mets, Jared Porter, as we dive into some baseball talk. And we'll also be talking a little basketball and more in the five questions segment, where we'll uh, give our thoughts on the big NBA trade that sent James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, along with a lot of other non-sports questions. So with that, let's get started. All right, so Brian, we are back, uh, and we are ready to talk about the NFL divisional round. We'll we'll have a lot of other stuff in this episode. We will try to get into a lot more than just football, but that's the the biggest thing right now with the uh, NFL playoffs going on. And let's uh, let's start off this week with the NFC. Last week we started off with the AFC, and the biggest reason for that was we were talking about my team to start things out. Uh, and now for this one, let's kind of jump into it with, uh, is, is it fair to say your team at this point? Like, the, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. The- uh, I'll, I'll admit there's a part of me that is Tom over team. I'm glad I don't have to actually, uh, face that reality in the Super Bowl. Now, if Brady plays next year, the Bucks play at New England at some point. And I'll admit, I don't, I mean, I'd probably lean with the Patriots still just because I, I like the Patriots, of course, but uh, I, the way this year has gone with how Belichick handled the quarterback situation and everything and how he looks right now, especially with how Brady's in the NFC Championship game uh, and how much joy Tom Brady has given me uh, for all these years, I, I'm i sort of Tom over team, sort of. That is just crazy to me. Like, I, I get it that Tom Brady led the Patriots to six Super Bowls and, you know, he was a huge reason you know arguably the biggest reason uh, depending on where you stand on the bill belichick versus tom brady debate for all the success of the past 20 years uh but i i, I don't know i i just can't i can't wrap my head around the idea it, that it just, it, patriots it, fans are like actually happy that you guys went seven and nine this year and we're like a terrible team while tom's out there <laughs> leading the bucks to the nfc championship game just when uh you know the the Patriots couldn't even win a playoff game last year, like part of me is like, all right, I don't want my team to look like we made this the worst decision of all time. But no, I'm 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 glad I'm glad it's happened because <laughs> okay. it, it just looks bad on New England and it 
forces Bill to make better decisions for next season. So I'm, right. I'm not even yeah, joking. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm glad that's happened. That's that's one way to look at it. And, uh, you know, I think to this point, you can certainly say that Brady is winning that divorce as the Bucks beat the Saints 30-20 to in New Orleans, a team that they lost to twice in the regular season and didn't play well at all in those games. And uh, they were finally able to get the edge in this third game, and they are off to Green Bay for the NFC Championship game now. Yeah, it's a great win versus a great opponent. I I know I talked about last time how I wasn't a huge believer in the Bucks after Week 13, or, or their run after Week 13, where they're beating uh, really some pretty bad teams. Really Minnesota, had a, Atlanta yeah, twice, Detroit. Detroit and Atlanta twice, right. And then they beat Washington by one possession against a backup quarterback. Granted, Taylor Heineke did play well, but still, it's... It's Washington, a losing team during the regular season. You should, I still, I, I think they should have beat them by a lot more. So I wasn't really super impressed with their run uh, of late, but this win is definitely, definitely uh, changes it for me. I, I think, I mean, we did talk about it uh, right before the, the playoffs started, who's the biggest threat to the Packers. And I think if the Bucks were to hit their ceiling, like they did versus New Orleans, I think they're certainly a threat. And I think... Uh, they won this game not only with good play from Brady, but I think they really won with their defense. They had forced four, four turnovers in that game, and uh, someone like Devin White was all over the field. He had 10 tackles, and then he had a, a key fumble recovery on the Jared Cook fumble, and then he had a, a key interception that would later seal the game. I mean, I, I think you have to admit that this game was much more about the Bucks' defense versus Drew Brees and it was with Tom Brady now the Bucks offense they took advantage all four turnovers led to well, I guess I should say four turnovers led to three touchdowns and then the last one just the you know the final possession that ended with Brady kneeling down to uh, seal the game but this was a game where the, the Saints defense came out early and they were definitely limiting the Bucks, Bucks offense and uh, the Bucks defense stepped up to the the challenge they they allow a huge punt return down to the 15 hold the saints to a field goal hold the saints to another field goal they they gave up that huge touchdown pass to james winston but like you mentioned with the jared cook fumbles new orleans up 20 to 13 driving past midfield pick up a huge third down but cook has the ball you know knocked out of his hands and uh devin white recovers and from there all the momentum went to the box and it Definitely a credit to Tom Brady and the Bucks offense not turning the ball over, but the Bucks defense was the biggest reason why they were able to win this game because New Orleans had an op- had plenty of opportunities to jump out in this one and jump out early and to big leads, and they just couldn't do it. And the the Bucks defense did everything they could to make sure that Tampa was able to walk away with the win. Yeah, and also just bad play from Drew Brees as well in possibly his last game, and he just had. Just had a bad fourth quarter, force, forcing those uh, those balls to Kamara and, and Jared Cook uh, late in that game, and it cost them. Yeah, I think the Saints turned it over on four of their last five drives. Three of those turnovers were Drew Brees interceptions, and uh, yeah, I mean it, it was a really really poor performance for him. And it it, it sounds like this is going to be his final game. Uh, I'd mentioned it last week that uh, you know Dan Marino, one of the greatest ever, he got he went out on a sixty-two to seven loss to the Jaguars in the playoffs when he was benched at halftime, and uh, it's every quarterback wants that storybook ending that John Elway or even Peyton Manning had, but. For every one of those guys, you have a guy like Brett Favre who could have gone out on 
an interception in the NFC Championship game, but he kept coming back and eventually went out an injury cart. And, uh, you know, that's that's the reality of how things work out for a lot of great quarterbacks. So uh, I guess given that the Saints are done, Drew Brees' career is likely over, one Super Bowl win, a huge Super Bowl win. Does it feel like, though, New Orleans should have won more, and it's almost kind of disappointing to say that they only won one Super Bowl in his time there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they, I've always thought they were, a, they've been a loaded team for a lot of years, and I've picked them to win the Super Bowl many times, and they've always fallen, fallen short in the postseason with some bad, bad endings to some of these, some of their games. And I mean, look, Drew Brees, I think, is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I think he's overcome a lot of adversity in his career, especially when he had his, his injuries with the San Diego Chargers and. And then he's also very, not not only was he great on the field, assuming his career is over, but he's also great off, off the field as well. He's always been very charitable. He even donated, I think, $5 million to COVID relief in Louisiana. So he's always been uh, a first-class guy on and off the field. But yeah, it's it's a, if I were a Saints fan, it'd be, it'd be a little disappointing with all those teams just to have only one Super Bowl with all that talent and... Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, or I think I think most people agree with this, but I don't think I think Breeze. Yes, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I don't think he's he was in the class of guys like Brady, Peyton, or or even Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I think with Drew Breeze, it's it's kind of tough to evaluate his career given that he spent most of it playing inside a dome, and. Uh, I think that that's going to be a knock against him. I do agree with you that he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer anyway. Winning a Super Bowl, being Super Bowl MVP, I think that that that's uh, usually a sign for a guy, especially when you just look at the record books. He's number one and number two in almost every single quarterback statistic at this point. Uh, but it, it does feel disappointing. Not only that the Saints only won one Super Bowl, they only made it to that one Super Bowl. And it, it's not even just like the past four years. You know, we can talk about the Minneapolis miracle, the Miss PI, and you know the the past two disappointing losses. But even go back to 2010, the the Beastquake game against Seattle. Like they they were a five seed, but they were facing a seven and nine team. The one and two seeds that year were the Falcons and the Bears. Neither of them felt like an overpowering team. And the Green Bay Packers wound up going to the Super Bowl that year as a wild card like that was a team that felt like could have gone to the Super Bowl same with the 2011 team that was arguably the best in the NFC even with the Packers at 15 and 1 and they let Alex Smith go 80 yards on him in the final seconds to to send him home in the divisional round it's just like they've that's constantly been the story with this team and a lot of it was bad defense and by the time they had a great defense Drew Brees is just too old and it, it seemed like there were just a lot of missed opportunities in this time I totally forgot about the the Alex Smith one where I wasn't that the uh the uh, what was it called the the game where Greg Williams had the bounty gate game was that the bounty no game? that was the Vikings NFC championship oh okay game. yeah oh, that okay, was the one that me. was like always oh, linked to it okay yeah and and they also lost to the Bears I think in the NFC championship game when they did yeah the that Bears, was back in 2006 was Bears. yeah, yeah Rex that's Grossman. definitely that's definitely way back but still yeah it's another 
disappointing loss for the Saints. Yeah, I mean that was one where like Chicago was definitely the favorite in that. Like I know their offense wasn't amazing, but they they had an all time defense that year. And the Saints, like it, the Saints, just making it to the NFC Championship game and Sean Payton and Drew Brees' first year was great. But after winning that Super Bowl, it just like the, so many disappointing playoff losses. So many years where it felt like the team should have been better than they were. And uh, I, I think that. Okay, so um, I lost power there. Um, I guess my parents lost power. I'm not really sure what happened. Um, at first, I got a little nervous. Like, uh, the Joe Biden inauguration is tomorrow. Is this, like, part of, like, the insurrection? Like, they're cutting off power to, you know, for whatever reason. Um, Commencement of the an- annual purge. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like, my parents, or I guess my mom called um, the, the, like, power providers, and they said it was a planned outage, and they had to shut it down for the workers' safety, and it should be up by 8. So we're actually recording right before eight. I'm a little nervous that we're going to get into this and then it's going to switch from the generator to the normal and die off again. But let's let's hope for the best here. Uh, you also had some issues, I guess, with flooding in your basement. Yeah, there's some flooding going on. Uh, I think there's a cl- clog in the drain and it keeps pouring down in the uh, the basement and had to use a dehum- the humidifier thing and... Uh, got it up and running and i'm sure it'll i'm hopefully it won't be in a major issue so is it still still water coming down are you gonna not to, not like, right now not right your room now. to like, go to bed no not right now but okay i'm sure it'll happen at, again at some point <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, I guess like this is just um, our way of saying that, you know, we we were very significantly delayed in our recording. So if you don't have this episode right up on Wednesday morning, that is why. Uh, but we're good. Let's uh, jump right back into it. So we we're talking about Drew Brees and likely his final game losing to the Buccaneers. And uh, so he finished his career in all likelihood with only one Super Bowl win, only one Super Bowl appearance. Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers, currently also has just one Super Bowl win and one Super Bowl appearance. And I think that Mike McCarthy got a lot of heat. Uh, Basically, he was kind of blamed for the reason why Rodgers maybe didn't have more success. Uh, Do you think that some of those same arguments can be used against Sean Payton with Drew Brees? Yeah, a little bit. But I think there's an obvious drop off from Rodgers to McCarthy and I think if you were to ask me who's more important to the success of the Saints Drew Brees or Sean Payton I'd probably lean Brees but it's something you actually, you'd actually have to pause and think about but with but with Rodgers and McCarthy I I never felt that uh Rodgers was like worse than McCarthy I th- I always thought he was the much bigger factor in the Packers success than Mike McCarthy even if he did get a little bit too much blame by the end yeah, I agree with that. I think that was a, a take that I was seeing um, in the aftermath of the Saints loss. I really don't think that Sean Payton should be looked at any differently. Um, you know, like the fact that he only has the one one ring to this point. Uh, I think that the Saints problems go far beyond the offense. I think it's like I kind of mentioned earlier, the defensive side of the ball was a big part of the issue why the Saints weren't uh, good for a few of those years earlier in the decade. So uh, I, I don't put the blame on Sean Payton. So, and I guess real quickly while we're on the topic, I'm going to go ahead and make a way out prediction just so it's, it's on the record. Um, Sean Payton will be head coach of the Dallas Cowboys in 2022. 
replacing the guy we were just talking about, Mike McCarthy, after things go really sour for the Saints in 2021. They're $100 million over the cap. They're going to have to totally gut their roster to field a competitive team. It's going to be a kind of a I, I don't know if it'll be a disastrous season in new orleans but i i do think that their uh their window is is close to this point and peyton's gonna jump ship if he uh, gets that opportunity and jerry jones will uh will be ready to give it to him so i wish i had a hotter take for that same topic but i i got <laughs> i don't have anything i mean i've always <laughs> thought uh not always thought but i i think it'd be funny if belichick left new england and didn't re-up his contract and went to dallas or some other team and had even more control of things and uh, had a better roster around him since he can't hasn't been able to draft well of late and <laughs> but I don't totally I don't actually believe that and you say you actually believe Sean Payton will be there in 2022 you said yeah yeah that's yeah. that's my prediction is that in 2021 the Saints will take a step back where the Cowboys won't take enough step forward I wouldn't be su- the stars I wouldn't will be align. Su- I wouldn't be surprised if Mike McCarthy is gone by next year cuz he didn't have a good season this year but I, I'm sure Jerry Jones won't just pull. Uh, we'll just let him go after one bad year, especially with Dak being out for as long as he was. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously, there's a lot needs to happen, but I just want to throw it out there. And if it's right, then <laughs> good for me. Uh, anyway, I guess you know we were talking about Aaron Rodgers. Let's uh, just transition into his game. So the Green Bay Packers beat the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams were one of the the best defenses all season. Of course, the, the two stars in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. The Rams defense ended up with zero sacks, zero takeaways, allowed 32 points to Green Bay, and the Packers won this game fairly easily. Uh, it was a close one in the second half after they came out to a big lead, but this was never really a game where it felt like the Rams were you know, in control of this one. It was yeah. uh, very much all Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah, and speaking of control, Rodgers, I felt, was in complete control of that game. And I think the offensive line, even without Bakhtiari, I think they were the best part of the the game between the Rams and the Packers. If there was a choice for player or players of the game, it would, I, I would say it was the Green Bay Packers offensive line. And not, not only did Rodgers not get sacked once, but the running game between... Uh, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon. They rushed for 191 rushing yards uh, for combined between the three of them, which is certainly pretty awesome when you can run the ball that well. And even without Donald, I know Donald was had his injuries and wasn't able to do much uh, at all in that game. I still think it's impressive to put up th- that kind of yardage and scoring 32 points against that kind of defense. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think that the uh, the biggest reason why I picked the Rams to beat the Packers was because of David Bakhtiari's injury as well as some of the other issues on the offensive line. So the fact that they were able to really kind of make it a non-factor. Like you said, it wasn't even just Aaron Rodgers playing well. The running game was great. Aaron Jones busted a huge 60-yard run, I think on the first play of the third quarter. Uh, and that, that was just kind of a, a case of the, the Packers having their way with this one. So offensively, there were no concerns, and I think that bodes well for them heading into their matchup next week with Tampa against the Bucks defense that did a very good job of uh, shutting down Drew Brees and the Saints offense. Agreed. Uh, so in terms of like the Rams, Jared Goff obviously was hampered with an injury. He didn't start their game against Seattle, and uh, I, I don't know that there was a question that he would start even if John Walford was healthier, but when he was ruled out, he was thrown into the lineup 
without question. He did an okay job controlling the ball, but he certainly was not effective. Uh, I guess <laughs> there's a lot of questions about Goff and his ability long-term. He's assigned to a huge contract, something that a lot of people will go out and say is the worst contract in the entire league. Do you think that there's anything that can kind of uh, make you believe that Jared Goff can lead the Rams to a, a Super Bowl at some point? in the near future uh no <laughs> uh I, I mean I'm, I'm not gonna i mean obviously i'm really critical of Goff. i don't think he's that great i think his contract like you said sucks and i think it's more of the head coach than him in terms of the success of the rams uh, offense and their team in general uh but i mean in terms of Goff for this year's playoffs i'm i'm he had a he's playing with a broken broken thumb and coming coming mm-hmm. off thumbs thumb surgery and playing two weeks later and then winning versus Seattle on the road and then having to go to cold Lambeau field versus uh, a juggernaut in the Packers and the best team in the NFC I'm not I, I I'm a critical of him but for this particular postseason I'm I'm he did everything he could and we'll see if well, I guess I'm taking the we'll see approach in terms but I mean I'm I'm saying I'm leaning no but again we'll see yeah, I'm I'm impressed with how he was able to kind of handle this adversity and the fact that he I mean, he did enough for the Rams to beat the Seahawks. I think the one thing with Goff is like there's a lot of inconsistencies in his game. When he's at his best, he's a top 10, maybe even top 5 quarterback in the league, but when he's at his worst, he's someone that you question whether he should even be a starter. And uh, I'm not sure if there're too many quarterbacks that have a greater range of uh, you know, ceiling versus floor. I I, I was quick to give up on the Rams heading into the season. The fact that they finished 10 and six, not only made the playoffs but advanced to the divisional round, I think was uh, exceeded my expectations. And I'm hesitant to say that, okay, next year is a year when things totally fall off. I, I do question though, um, you know, what the future of this franchise holds as long as Jared Goff is their quarterback, as long as he's on that giant contract. And I think that's going to be a big issue with the LA Rams. And you have this loaded defense, but in the end, you know, the offense is the biggest reason why they they fell short. Yeah, even though they gave up 32 points, I still think they're the stronger point of. Uh, when you look at both sides of the ball, I think their defense is better than their offense. And like like I said, I don't think Goff's great, but yeah, like he he is he is at times really good but then like like we like you said there are times where he doesn't even look like a starter or starting quarterback and nothing that hurts that they didn't have cooper cup in this game because of his late injury versus seattle uh one thing that could really help though is that they finally have a running game because cam Akers really bloomed of of late in the season and in the into the postseason they ever since Gurley left last or well Gurley was there last year but i mean he he was he, injuries. He was pretty much. And, he had so many injuries that yeah. he was he wasn't really effective. And I thought no, he wasn't thought, the same guy he was thought, the past couple of seasons. Yeah, and I thought Henderson would take over possibly. And I know we we saw Malcolm Brown earlier this year have have some pretty good games, but they really haven't had a consistent running game in terms of uh, a main piece to the running game. And Cam Akers, I think, proved that he's worth being uh, a starter and worth getting 20 plus carries a game next season i was really hoping the steelers would draft cam Akers in the second round this year they want to chase claypool I, I can't say that i'm I'm upset about that given how well claypool was this season but i certainly hope that the steelers could find a running back like Akers in the second round of this year's draft 
Um, all right, so let's move on to the AFC matchups. And let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Cleveland Browns in a game that was uh, almost very disastrous for Kansas City. Still could be pretty disastrous And that Patrick Mahomes suffered a concussion in the third quarter of this game, did not return. Chad Henney played well enough in uh, you know the, the fill-in duties, made some huge plays at the very end. Uh, but of course, the Mahomes injury is is going to be a, a big story of this game. But I guess you know before we kind of focus too much on that, look ahead. Let's let's jump into this one and kind of talk about the big play right at the end of the first half when uh, Richard Higgins of the Cleveland Browns dove toward the end zone, had the ball knocked out of him by Sorensen of the Chiefs, and uh, it was ruled a touchback on a, a controversial play for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, I mean, I, what's funny is that when that happened, the first thing I thought of was, I wonder how Corey reacted after that play. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who yeah. exactly you're, who you're rooting for. Cleveland you knew who Casey. I was rooting for. You knew I wasn't rooting for the Browns. That's a, oh, duh, that's a good point. Yeah, so you're rooting for the Chiefs. I was rooting for, so, yeah, I, I, I you hate the rule more than I do, I, than I do, but. I think it's the worst rule in football, but, yeah. at least, <laughs> if not all the sports. I'll, I'll admit, I don't know what to think of it. But yeah, maybe I, if I were to pick one side or the other, I would lean towards yeah. It's kind of dumb. They should just get the ball back at the one yard line and and then score from there. Or but, even like push it out to like the five or the ten if you want to penalize yeah. them. I don't know why it's a touchback. And like it, that's one of those things. Whenever it happens, like to a team that I don't want, I don't. I can't think of a time that it happened in favor of the Steelers. Uh, I know it's definitely happened against them in recent years, but. Uh, even then, it's kind of like, all right, like I'm not going to complain about this outcome in this specific instance, but I still think it's a stupid rule. And uh, in this one in particular, it seemed like, um, is it Drew Sorensen? Daniel Sorensen. Yeah. yeah, Daniel Sorensen might have gotten away with uh, some kind of helmet-to-helmet hit that could have totally negated the whole do thing. You th- do you blame the refs for missing that, or do you think that's just such a bang-bang play that it's kind of see it's it's a tough one because i think in real time a lot of those plays that are they're like player safety ones they get called and you watch the replay and it's like all right this is not a penalty like they should be able to review this or even in the other way around and i I think that that's something that the nfl should consider and i would be a little surprised if they don't kind of like how in college football they have targeting but targeting is automatically reviewed they want to make sure that they get it right when it's called uh, so I think that the NFL it would definitely be beneficial for them to actually be able to review those plays so they talk all they want about player safety this is an example where uh, it's not great for player safety and it totally changes the, uh, the, mo- the momentum of this game because it was 16 to 3 Kansas City at that point Cleveland potentially going up or making it 16 to 10 and said Kansas City takes over kicks a field goal at the end of the half it's 19 to 3 I mean yeah the it definitely could have been a a game changer if if that rule weren't in place and they just get the ball back at whatever yard line 1 5 10 20 whatever yard line they get it at and and it's not you that you're not the only one that thinks it there I I saw I saw plenty of people chirping on twitter about how a lot of people a lot of people the worst rule uh one tweet i saw from teddy bruski he said if what if you don't like the rule what is your first uh, what would you do if you were 
making that rule. So you would put it at like the twenty yard line or like lock. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would back it all the way up to the twenty. I don't love the idea of giving the offense ball at the one yard line. I, I like the concept of kind of you know pushing back. Um, but yeah, I mean anything that just allows the offense to keep the ball would be fine with me. I, I don't know, you know, if, if what makes the most sense, uh, whether it's pushing it back, just giving it to the one, pushing it to the five, the 10, all the way to the 20, whatever. But I do think that there's a, you know, that, that's something that I would like to see the league do in, in some capacity. I mean, regardless, I still think Cleveland made not just that play, but I think I still think they made too many mistakes in this game to 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 win that game, especially with Mahomes getting hurt and, and in the second half, and Henny, Chad Henney coming in, I I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they weren't as great as I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be a bigger part of the offensive game plan, and Chubb wasn't getting much that much done in the running game in the first half, and he had a couple drops that were kind of costly. And the offensive line, what's weird is that they, they look like a brick wall <laughs> versus the Steelers, and then all of a sudden they lose Jedrick Wills in the first play, and they're down to their, I think, I think maybe I think they were down to like maybe their third left tackle or second. The, or third left yeah, I mean I know yeah. that they they lost some guys against the Steelers. Um, uh, it it's it's still incredible to me how the the Pittsburgh pass rush was unable to to stop Cleveland. How they were able to just push over guys and run the ball at will. Because yes, the Browns have a very good offensive line this year. We saw against Kansas City when one guy goes down what can happen to an offensive line. It's not like the the Chiefs were like totally destroying the Browns and you know they they did do a great job of slowing down the run game. They got one sack early on Baker Mayfield, but uh I, I think that yeah, I mean the the Browns offensive line is is very good, but it's not as as great as they made it seem to be in that game against yeah, the Steelers. Yeah, I'll admit I I overrated it. I I mean I thought it was one or if one of the best or if not the best offensive line in football. They were They've been really great all year, whether that's in the running game or the passing game, and but they they were pretty suspect uh, in in this last game, and yeah, I'll admit I'd probably overrated them a little bit too much, especially just after how well they played versus Pittsburgh. One uh, thing that came out of this game that uh, I think is you know a big common discussion throughout this postseason is uh, don't punt. Go for it on fourth down because we saw the Cleveland Browns on a fourth and eight, fourth and nine. Now they're backed up in their own zone. It was, I think, still four, five minutes to go in this game. But you have Chad Henney playing quarterback on the other side of the ball. You're down by five. So you might be giving Kansas City and field goal range. Harrison Bucker missed a couple kicks already that game. And the Browns decide to punt the ball. And Kansas City takes over. And they never gave the ball back. And a lot of the reason why is because on a fourth and inches play, when it seemed like, oh, Kansas City's definitely going to punt the ball, Jim Nance and Tony Romo were saying they're not going to snap it. They're not going to snap it. And uh, they did. And they, they picked up the first sound. That was what won them the game. So I guess what are your thoughts on, first off, Cleveland not punting and then Kansas or Cleveland actually punting and then Kansas City, you know, not punting? So Cleveland punting, like yeah, maybe they should have gone for it, but I I don't have that big of an issue of them punting compared to Vrabel and Tomlin last week. Those were yeah, two I, I think that's clear, that's fair. clear situations where I absolutely would have gone for it, but so so compared to that one, I'm not I'm not as critical of especially with Henny 
uh, a quarterback instead of Mahomes. Uh, I'm not as super critical of that decision. Uh, now for the fourth and inches. Well, first of all, Tony Romo. <laughs> I I've I've always been a fan of him in the booth ever since he started, but. He kind of lost his mind a little bit <laughs> yeah. on that play. He's, yeah, he, like, I thought he was. I thought he was going to have a heart attack. or yeah. something. Jeez, like just. I, I I'm I'm a fan of of him in the broadcast booth with Nance, but you could tone it down a little bit. It was. Uh, but, yeah, I mean they 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 definitely made that uh, play out to be like greater than it was. Uh, yeah, exactly. And but but for the fourth and inches. Well, first of all, Chad Henney on third down. That was that run. That was great on his part unfortunately they didn't get the 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 first down that play but then fourth and inches I didn't I'll admit I didn't I didn't think they were gonna go for it either I thought they were just gonna try to draw Cleveland off sides or whatever and then take a timeout or something and but then but no they they ran the play and uh they ran a, a great play to Tyreek they they've the Chiefs had done that on on some occasions uh with Tyreek on on that slant route to, to the yeah, to the that race. was just a perfectly drawn up and executed play. To you know, the, the whole stadium is like, no, there's no way that they're gonna snap the ball here. You're like hoping that Cleveland's gonna jump off sides, and they get the defense flat footed. And I think a big part of that was the fact that they snapped it with five seconds to go. They didn't even wait till one second. So like the Browns were absolutely not ready for that at all. And you know, it's a a huge play to run with your backup quarterback and Chad Henney, but it's also one of the easiest plays that he'll be able to make because like as soon as they snap the ball it's like this is gonna be a first down you're gonna throw it to Tyreek Hill he's gonna catch it and he's gonna pick up the few inches to get the first down I think there's just a uh, an amazing play call and just goes to show you like why Andy Reid is one of the best offensive minds in NFL history yeah guts gutsy call by Andy Reid on that play for sure so I guess you know now that Kansas City won the game there's a lot of questions about Patrick Mahomes going into Buffalo next week. Uh, so if you, if, if Patrick Mahomes is cleared, which based on what we, what came out today, it sounds like there's a good chance he's going to play. Uh, are you at all worried about him getting out there? Or do you think it's AFC championship game? He's the best quarterback in football. Like he just has to be on the field. Even if, you know, there's, he's maybe not a hundred percent in the head. Yeah. The, the latter it's AFC championship game. If 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 it was just a, it seemed like it's a minor thing from what's been reported. Is that even after the game, it says yeah, I feel good and and it's concussions are kind of tricky because some guys they really just come back the next the next week or even mid game, uh, but if 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 they don't have a concussion and everything's just fine and they're just a little mm-hmm. bit yeah, they aren't allowed to come back mid game anymore. Yeah, they did say yeah. pre protocols that Mahomes might have right. returned, but exactly uh, <laughs> that that's why I had to pause there. But yeah, um, we see guys come back the next the next week, but then there are guys who do have to miss that next game, and so I think concussions are tricky. But I think on his part, from what's been reported, I, I I'm fine with I'm fine with it. He's one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the league, and it's it's a game to go to the Super Bowl. So yeah, I I'm totally fine with him being out there as long as the practices go well and he's feeling good yeah i'll be shocked if he misses this game i'm i'm fully prepared for him to be the the chief starting quarterback next week uh you know i don't think there's any need to look into those like colin coward hot takes that the nfl should reschedule the game or what else has been thrown out there uh I, i'm fully prepared for patrick Mahomes to start on sunday night wait so you don't 
want Championship Tuesday? <laughs> you know what? It's That's a tough one for me because if it's really going to be Chad Henney starting at quarterback, then I would be I would support the move if they do it. I don't think that they will do it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would much rather this game just be played Sunday night with Mahomes and played on a Tuesday. I mean, this is kind of the year of the backup quarterback. I mean, so many backups have been playing the Walford and uh, Heineke and, and now Chad Henney and... I forgot what the the guy on the Cardinals, what his name was, but there have been a lot of backup QBs that have just come. And, oh, and, and the Ravens. Uh, yeah, the true. Tyler Huntley had to play. And I guess, yeah, let's, Huntley, yeah. let's jump right into that. The The last game of the, the AFC, you know, last game of the weekend for us to cover, the uh, Baltimore Ravens fall to the Buffalo Bills 17-3. to it was a, an ugly game. The wind was certainly a factor. There were a lot of points left on the board because of missed field goals. But coming off their first win, I guess Lamar Jackson's first playoff win, the Ravens' first playoff win since turning to him a couple of years ago, they fall flat, scoring only three points, and Lamar Jackson gets a concussion of his own and misses the entire fourth quarter. So I guess let's start with the Baltimore Ravens. And how much of this game like, do you think is a – how much do you think like the, the Ravens offense disappointing in this game is meaningful long-term versus just uh, they beat Tennessee, they they pulled out a win. I know you weren't as big on their offense at that one, but they, they wound up beating a good Tennessee offense and then they just fell short because of the elements and a lot of other factors versus like this is just a problem that the Ravens are never going to be able to fix. I kind of lean with the second one. I mean... I don't think Lamar Jackson is uh, in that tier of Mahomes or uh, the Rodgers or these top top or even Watson or no that that might be going too far I don't know I but he was an yeah he was an MVP candidate or not candidate he was MVP winner last year and which is great and but I don't know I I don't know how I feel about him still as a as an elite quarterback. I, I obviously he's a franchise guy and he's going to be there in Baltimore for a long time, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I still don't see him in that tier with Mahomes, and, and I, I'm kind of surprised given how windy it was and how much they needed to run the ball. I'm surprised Baltimore couldn't really take advantage of that. Cause I really don't think the Buffalo, I think Buffalo's leg, legit candidate or legit team and they can absolutely go to the Super Bowl. They can even win the Super Bowl. I, uh, I just think, Buffalo's run defense is really not as good as people perceive it to be. They gave up 150 plus rushing yards in both the Baltimore game and the Indianapolis Colts game. And I, I'm surprised that they were only to able to muster up three points in that entire game. And there is an obvious turning point when it's 10 to three bills and they're in the near the goal line. And all of a sudden Lamar Jackson throws a, a bad interception that leads to a pick six and that could have been a ten to ten game, and in, in, but instead, in that moment, but instead, end up being seventeen to three, and then he gets hurt, which was a shame. But like, but before that, I don't know. Like, he wasn't wasn't really great, and I don't I don't know how much I love the future of that of their offense compared to other teams like Kansas City. I I actually did have someone ask me uh, on Saturday if I thought that. Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson was the next Tom Brady Peyton Manning rivalry. And I, I was like, I, I don't think that you can say that right now because to this point, I don't know if there's reason to believe that Lamar Jackson is in that same kind of uh, boat as Patrick Mahomes. And 
I think that one of the, the most telling stats when it comes to Lamar Jackson and this Ravens team since 2018, so 48 regular season games. This includes uh, 10 or so with Joe Flacco, but uh, you know, going back to 2018, the Ravens regular season have averaged 28.9 points per game. In four playoff games in that time, they've averaged 13 points per game. And they they just can't figure it out in the postseason. And I don't know how much of it is just playing better competition because the Ravens have a tendency of beating up on really bad teams. We saw that down the stretch. We saw them beat up on the Cowboys, beat up on the Jaguars, beat up on the Giants and the Bengals. And when they played the Browns, they were in a shootout. But the offense was striving in that one. So like there's maybe like, okay, this is this is a game, like this is a type of playoff atmosphere. And then against Tennessee, like the, the defense was a big factor in that one. And I know they were able to score 20 points. Lamar Jackson had a huge touchdown run, but he also had a pretty bad interception early on. But it was still like they kind of got the monkey off their back. And then come out and have this kind of dud. And I don't know, is it just me or did Tyler Huntley look like a better quarterback in that fourth quarter than Lamar Jackson did the first <laughs> a little quarters. bit yeah I like I, I was who, who was the whoever the announcer was in that game Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth no they had the I think they had the Sunday night game. I don't think they had this no they Saturday. did they did that game they did okay. yeah it was them um oh, okay was them okay right yeah because the, whatever you're right um yeah Collinsworth I think pointed it out uh, that uh Hunt is it Huntley yeah Tyler it, Huntley yeah, Huntley. Yeah, he he did a couple of plays. He actually did look a little bit like Lamar Jackson, but just with a different number on his back. And uh, I'm not I'm not. I don't want to give that idea that uh, Lamar Jackson is easily replaceable by just putting this guy in and uh, go from there. But I, I I just I just don't believe Lamar Jackson's in that tier of of Mahomes and other guys. I think he's still in in a tier below, and I. I know he got the monkey off his back in terms of the playoff wins and finally getting one versus Tennessee, but I, I, I still have doubts about Baltimore's future. I think it's pretty incredible in some senses that Huntley was able to come off the bench in a playoff game and lead the Baltimore offense down the field like he did. Uh, he almost had a, a long touchdown pass to Hollywood yeah, the, Brown, and the, part yeah. of that was him overthrowing it. Part of it was, I don't know, Brown just kind of giving up on it at the end. Uh, but then on the, then the following drive, he took Baltimore all the way down to like the 10 yard line and probably would have been too little too late at that point, but he's still, I mean, on third and goal, JK Dobbins drops a pass that could have gotten Baltimore close to the goal line, if not in. And then Mark Andrews had a, a play that went off his hands. There are a lot of bills defenders there, but yeah, Huntley was, I think Huntley he looked good. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And, and then mention the Mark Andrews. I think he hit the goalpost twice on that on that uh, in the at the near the goal line in the end zone. Or I think he hit, hit the goalpost a couple times coincidentally. But yeah, he looked he yeah he looked pretty good. I know the Hollywood Brown was an overthrow, but it was still I don't know impressive that he almost got it off and they were almost able to get back in that game. And he's a and as a backup quarterback coming into a playoff game, I I think he looked. I think he looked fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lamar did have a few solid drives, so it's not totally to say that Lamar did nothing and Huntley was their entire offense. But uh, I mean, like like you said, you kind of put Huntley in the game, and it didn't feel like there was a huge drop off in terms of what the Ravens' offense was able to do for the first three quarters versus what they did in the fourth quarter. 
So uh, I, I fully anticipate Lamar Jackson to be the Ravens quarterback for you know next year and that I think that there's a good chance he'll end up receiving a contract extension, maybe even as early as this offseason. He's certainly not getting anywhere close to Mahomes' money. I don't know how close he'll be to Deshaun Watson's contract, but uh, I think that there's you know, th- those playoff doubters aren't necessarily going away. He got that first win, and then the, the second game was not so great. Um, on the flip side, the Buffalo Bills offense wasn't that much better. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think they're, I don't think they're sucking or anything, but I think they're not, they're still not reaching their ceiling, especially in the running game, like Singletary, seven carries, 25 yards. So like, I, I'm he sure part of that was part of the, run the ball. Yeah, I, I think part of it was because of the game plan where they see what the Ravens defense was able to, able to do versus Derrick Henry and. And he's he's obviously a much better running back than Singletary, and and they also lost Zach Moss last last week, so they 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 obviously went to the pass and and they put Allen in the shotgun a ton of times, uh, but and I, I think he was fine. I, I don't I don't I didn't have any big issues with it. I just don't think they've clicked on all cylinders. See, lack of a better phrase. I don't know that it doesn't make sense to me because the Bills' offense was playing extremely well the final few games of the season. They scored 56 points against the Miami Dolphins in week 17 and that wasn't even just Josh Allen. Like he did half of that and the uh the offense kept humming even when they brought in uh who is it? AJ McCarron is it? Or not McCarron. Matt, 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 Matt Barkley is the backup. Yeah. Uh, and then in, in these two playoff games, they scored 27 against the Colts, who were very good defense. But they came out really slow in the first half of that one. And then this one, they they only scored 10 points because they had the the big uh, pick six. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the only way that the Bills can beat the Chiefs, assuming a healthy Patrick Mahomes, is to outscore them. And I don't know that this offense, the way they've played the past two weeks, can do that. I think they need to just have a total, like, I don't, I don't know, like some kind of uh, a rebirth of what they used to be. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that I, I believe in this offense. Coming into the postseason, I didn't believe in their chances to outscore the Chiefs, and they certainly haven't made me believe that they can based on these last two games. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have the worst odds of the remaining four teams. But if they if they put it together, I think they have a good shot of beating Kansas City. But, yeah, they haven't totally shown their best potential I mean I think Diggs has been pretty good and I I know I talked about the running game sucking but yeah Diggs has been good but John Brown he he finally had a good game but before that he didn't do literally anything and then Cole Beasley he's he's not 100% right now and I I wonder if that's factoring in at all because he was great this season and yeah I'll admit I don't I'm not sure what exactly to think of Buffalo. I don't. Again, I don't think there's. I don't think they're playing bad. I I just don't think they're they're playing great right now. I I don't. I think I think the losses from the other teams it had had more to do with the other teams making more mistakes than Buffalo really uh, taking control. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Absolutely. They they definitely could have lost both those games if the other teams had just done a, a few things better, a few things uh, you know more right. Whether it's just protecting the ball kicking field goals instead of going forward or vice versa. I, I think that, that was kind of been the theme of the Bills run to the AFC Championship game. And uh, if they can't figure things out, they could be in for a rude awakening and arrowhead on Sunday night. 
All right, so with that, let's jump into our conference championship game predictions. Let's start with the NFC championship game. That one's early game, 3 o'clock. Packers, Bucks, who you got in that one? So I'm take committed, so I'll, I'll go with the Packers by three. I think this is going to be the more entertaining or closer game of the two games. Uh, it, but if, I guess if I were a Packers fan, I guess one thing to worry about is that it looks like there's going to be it's going to be a snow game, which you'd think okay, Green Bay and Lambeau at home in snow versus Tampa of all teams, like yeah, that sh- it should be no problem, but. The one quarterback where I still would fear in that situation would be Tom Brady, and given how much experience he does have in cold weather games and and postseason games. And uh, another thing to mention is that their defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin, Packers defensive coordinator, uh, he's been a coordinator for the Jets, the Bills, and the Packers this year, of course, and other years. Tom Brady is ten and three with twenty four touchdowns and seven interceptions versus. Mike Pettin, uh, in his career, uh, as, as a decoy near pretty good and, numbers. Yeah. And I, I kind of wonder if Brady will take advantage of whatever Mike Pettin schemes up. And that's, that's something to worry about. I would, we talked about this before the playoffs started, who's the biggest threat to the, the Packers. And we were thinking about the saints, but if the bucks were hitting their ceiling, which they are right now, I would, I, I would have I worry about. I wouldn't worry about Rogers scoring points because I think he absolutely will. I I just would worry more about can their defense stop uh, Brady at all. Yeah, but I mean, I, regardless, I'm I'm sticking with the pack. I know it's uh, a long answer, but I'm 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 taking the Packers. I'm take committed, but I, I would also have I I would be worried a little bit because there's a ton of pressure on Rogers and the Packers winning it all. Absolutely, and I can see this game going a number of different ways for all those reasons you mentioned. You know, we. He said, coming into the postseason, Aaron Rodgers feels like he's under the most pressure to succeed. This is a huge stage for him. He's at home in the NFC Championship game. He's actually never hosted an NFC Championship game in his career, unless you want to count when he was Brett Favre's backup in 2007, which I don't. So he uh, he's on a huge stage going against Tom Brady. He's a guy who, early in Rodgers' career, there were talks that, oh, is Rodgers better than Brady? And then Brady kept winning Super Bowls and Rodgers hasn't gone back there. And it kind of feels silly to say like these are like the two goats uh, and something that has been talked about like the last time these two guys played in 2018 when Brady was still with the Patriots. But, you know, this, this is this is a huge stage for the Bucks as well. And Tom Brady and his opportunity to leave new england and get right back to the super bowl with a new team a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in 13 years let alone even sniff the super bowl so um, i could see this game going a number of different ways i do think that the weather could play a factor but i still think there will be a lot of points scored in this one i think the packers will end up getting uh revenge from their their regular season just blow out loss to tampa uh, they'll end up winning this one by seven points. I think it'll be a good game, but uh, I could certainly see scenarios where Tampa comes out and they just look like the better team from start to finish. Yeah, yeah I could, I could totally see uh, a win from either uh, either of these teams. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great game. I especially given the matchup between Brady and Rogers, like you said, they're sort of like the two goats. I mean, obviously Brady, he's the obvious goat, but. I think there were years where Rodgers was outplaying Brady uh, in his 
uh, MVP year. Uh, not not this year, but, well, uh, well, this year definitely. But uh, earlier, when like when Brady had his fourth Super Bowl ring, that that was the year when Rodgers won his another MVP. And mm-hmm. I, I think around that time, if you ask me who was better at the time before the Super Bowl, of course, I I would have said Rodgers. I think I think there was a point where he was better, but Brady kept winning kept winning Super Bowls and uh, and Rodgers hasn't, and he definitely needs to get get that next one to remain in that conversation another thing about the Packers where another reason why I'm picking reason why I'm picking them is because I think I think it's really impressive that they were able to score that many points versus the Rams I I, I, I agree with that I know yeah again I know Donald was not in but it's it's still a really good defense and he looked in the zone in that game so as well as their offensive line so yeah I'm I'm in part of it's yeah because I'm take committed but uh I'm I'm slightly leaning towards Green Bay in the game. All right, so let's uh, talk about the AFC Championship game. So let, let's do it, I guess, presuming Mahomes is going to play to start things out. You know, that's at least the way that this is trending. Yeah, I'm going to go. I, I I was also under the assumption that Mahomes will, will be back. I'm going to go Chiefs by seven. I Like we talked about, I, just, I don't think Buffalo is really clicking uh, at right now on offense or or I know they only gave up three points defensively but I thought they were really lucky that they only gave up three points I think they're I th- I think they're getting killed on in the, the ground game and and last time these two teams played Edward Hilaire who let's face it he didn't really have as great of a year as we expected but his best game all season and assuming he does come back healthy his best game was versus Buffalo against the same team and he went off for for the the game that he did were over 100 certainly yeah, over way over 100 yards. rushing yards yeah and, and he was the focal point of that offense that day and and even if he's not and or if even if he's not even healthy for the game they still have Daryl Williams who had a decent game versus Cleveland and you know what the they have a lot of options to go to in the passing game with the obvious two in Kelsey and and Tyreek but I think Hardman as well has has been great and who knows if Sammy Watkins comes back? But either way, they have way too many weapons for Buffalo to handle, and and the, and I think also to keep up with, given their suspect play on offense. So I'll go Chiefs, but I'll say by yeah again by seven. I love how you like mentioned the the Chiefs running back. If they don't have Clyde Edwards-Helaire, it's Daryl Williams. Not even throwing out Le'Veon. Yeah, Bell. not even not even Le'Veon Bell. Oh, yeah, two like, carries, he's for kinda, six yards against the Browns. Yeah. Yeah, he he's useless, but I thought Darrell Williams was pretty good in the in the. Yeah, he definitely game. held his own, but I think Edward Zeller playing would be he could be the X factor in this one. I I think that the the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes would win this game by multiple scores. I would say fourteen points, and honestly, even if Chad Henney has to play, I could still see Kansas City winning this one if Buffalo's offense can't improve. Uh, I think that'll be. A big thing to watch is what can Buffalo's offense do? And if Mahomes starts, I really don't see the Bills keeping this one any closer than a couple scores. How funny would it be if it were Bucks bills in the Super Bowl? The Bills, bills fans would not love that at all. <laughs> 20 years of dealing with Tom Brady, and finally, finally they get their shot of of trying to win the, uh, the AFC East with, without him in the division anymore. And they get there, and... They're one game away from the Super Bowl, and if they get get there, great. But then all of a sudden, if they face Tom Brady against Tampa at Tampa, 
With, yeah. And, and, like, and in fact, during all the Super Bowl losses that they've had, it's just, oh, we have to deal with this guy again. It just sounds like a nightmare matchup for, for Bills fans. And uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I would say that the Bucs are more likely to make it to the Super Bowl than the Bills. But uh, that, that's certainly a, a storyline that we could see if Tampa wins that first game. Yeah, I, I do agree. They're the they're the fourth out of the, out of the four teams left. So that'll uh, that'll do it for our uh, you know conference championship game look ahead and divisional round recap. Uh, real quickly, you do have a couple trivia questions related to conference championship games and Super Bowls. Yeah. Uh... I'll start. I, I got two of them. I'll start with the easier one first. Okay. So, who is the only team in the NFL to not host a Super Bowl, host a Super Bowl, nor been to one in the entire league? There's only one team that's never done either. All right. Well, there have been four teams who have never been to the Super Bowl. It's the Lions, the Jaguars, and the Texans are three of them who have all hosted Super Bowls. And that leaves by default the Cleveland Browns. Correct. Yeah, I knew that one would be pretty easy, and I'll admit I, I got that one right. And another one that I got right that I think will be a much tougher trivia question. Okay. Uh, so Tom Brady is heading to the NFC Championship game at 43 years old. Who is the last player? This can be any sport, baseball, basketball, football, hockey. Oh, Who is wow. the last player, 43 or older, to appear in the semifinals of their respective league. And I know this is much more difficult. It's definitely not as easy as that that last question. The last uh, player but, who's 43 years old? Yeah, to make it to a semifinal uh, game. Now, do you want me to give you hints or like to narrow it down a little bit um, just because it's... I, I do want to kind of throw out a guess. I, I feel like he was 42, but... Um, I know you said that you knew the answer to this, so that's why this is my first guess. Uh, Zdeno Chara? That's a good guess, but that's incorrect. So he was 42 the year they went to the Cup. In 2019. But he was 43 last, this past season they when, they, the when, they, when the Tampa beat him in the East Semis. So that was a okay. good guess, but that's incorrect. Okay, uh, I didn't think what... that was it. Um, am I in the right sport? Yes, you are. I am. It is hockey. Okay. Oh man, like I know there have been a lot of guys who have played for a long time. Um, it's not Yarmir Yager, is it? It's another good guess, but that is. I also think he incorrect. left. Yeah, I don't. I, I I think he was playing for like Florida by then. Um, dang, I feel he like he was I with the Bruins this. in 2013, but he was 40 or 41. Yeah, I I think when he, they made the, but he was 43, and so when he was with the Panthers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they did not make it to the conference finals. Um, oh man, uh, I don't know. Is it, is it like way older than that or? So no, it, he recent? did reach it. He did reach at 43. Uh, no, I mean like one. in like this decade or was this like the eighties? Oh, this it's well, technically last decade now. Last decade. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So like the 2010s. Uh, man, I, I, I feel like uh, I'm going to know this when you say it. Yeah, I think so, too. I'll give you another hint. Uh, he's been on a team that we've both root for. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I assume it was the Bruins in 2011, right? That is correct. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would be able to think of the player. Uh, so, do you give up? I give up, yeah. It is Mark Recchi. 
Oh uh, yeah, I never would have came up with him, but that that sounds right. Yeah. That you said. I knew it. that. W- I knew the first trivia question would be kind of a walk in the park. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I figured I figured you'd get that one yeah. right away. So that's why I came up with the second one, and I thought that'd be a lot more challenging, which it was. Yeah, hey, that's a fun one. So yeah, Mark Recchi was that his final game? Like, did he end his career on the Stanley Cup yeah. finals? Yeah, yeah. So when they won the Stanley Cup versus Vancouver, that was his. He literally announced his retirement. Uh, during the celebration <laughs> nice like so he wasn't so he wasn't like peyton manning or, or drew Brees. Oh, i gotta think about it i gotta yeah. talk about it he's just no i'm done this is like drew <laughs> is it for me? jerome bettis he did the same thing when he was given the trophy but yeah. everyone knew that he was going out anyway so all right um let's uh let's jump into our next topic we'll stay with the nfl let's talk coaching carousel so there are seven head coach openings this point five of them have been filled still waiting on the eagles and texans could be later this week i don't know when they'll be but uh of the five what do you think has been is like the best hire to this point so i don't have a super strong take on best one but i'll go with arthur smith to the falcons and the reason is because he's had he's had success with tennessee and when he took over the OC job in Tennessee after Matt LaFleur left. He the Titans offense was awesome a couple of years ago where they, they made it all the way to the AFC championship game and maybe part of that had to do with the weapons that they had with Derrick Henry and and the receivers and uh and maybe Ryan Tannehill was just a lot better than I expected. But but it, it was the Titans highest scoring offense in I think sixteen years or so and I think some of that credit goes to him and the other reason why I like this move uh, the most out of any of them is because I do not like any of the other moves. <laughs> so really, this is the only this is the only one where I, we'll get to the worst ones. Yeah, uh, the Arthur Smith one's the only one that I have more of a positive outlook than. So the I do like the Arthur Smith hire to Atlanta. I think that a lot of teams considered Smith their top candidate, and the Falcons. We'll see what direction they go. It sounds like they want to stick around with Matt Ryan for another year. I think given some of the uncertainty with the Saints, Tom Brady's me a year older, it makes sense for the Falcons to try to at least run it back one more time with this current group. Uh, but I, I certainly think that he's someone who can keep the Atlanta offense going long-term, regardless of who they bring in. There's a good chance with that number four overall pick, they're going to zone in on a guy like Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or you know one of those other top quarterbacks, and they're going to uh, you know make that the, the next uh, future franchise quarterback in Atlanta. So I do find it interesting you say that you don't like any of the other hires because to me, I, I don't love any of the hires. I feel like I can kind of nitpick a lot of them, but there is one that really stands out to me, and that is Robert Sala to the New York Jets. And I know this is one that Ben isn't happy about because he was a 49ers defensive coordinator. He talked about it a couple weeks ago that he did not want Sala to go to the Lions. Well, going to the Jets, now... I don't think that New York was an amazing job, especially with them having the number two overall pick. They have a lot of holes to to fill. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. But Saul is a guy who, when he was given great players, he made that San Francisco defense awesome. And he's like the anti-Adam Gase. Or he has like such a personality. The players all love him. I think he's going to be great for that Jets culture. Much better than Adam Gase. I will give you that. Yes. So the reason why I don't love this move is... It's just because of the team, the choice of the team, and I'll admit I have a bias towards defense, uh, uh, defensive guys as head coaches. I'll admit I, I like 
having the offensive guy more as the uh, head coach. But the reason why I don't love his move, it's it's because of the team that he chose, not because no, of him. That's fair, yeah. Uh, so I should have clarified that better. But just looking at the Jets' head coaching history, they're the only two guys to have winning records in the history of the New York Jets. Uh, Bill Parcells, 29-19, and Al Groh, who went 9-7 and seven the one year he was there. Outside of that, the other 19 or whatever, 18 or 19 other head coaches in the Jets' history, they've all have had lose. They haven't had losing seasons, like they've had winning seasons at times, but they all end up finishing with losing records. I just think you just get dumber if you're with the Jets. That's that's my only. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's thing. Like, that's if, fair. Like if, if Robert Sala picked uh, just a a better franchise, just just name name whatever. Uh, San Fran. If he were like, the San Fran head coach or whatever. Okay, uh, but like that, that wasn't an option. Like of yeah, exactly. all the teams, that's, like of all the openings, I think that the Jets was a reasonable spot for him to go to mm-hmm. because I don't think that the Lions are that much of an upgrade. And I mean, just looking around at some of the other teams, like I think that the Falcons are smart going as an offensive coach. I think that the Texans and Eagles make sense to kind of go in different directions, more offensive minded as well. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think Robert Sala to the Jets, like in terms of the Jets hiring Sala is what I'm looking at. I think that's a great move. Maybe Sala is going to regret it and uh, it's going to be a disaster for him. But I think that that was a, a good good choice I, I, on the Jets part at the very least. Yeah, I, it's more of the fact that I just don't trust the Jets more than him. Cause I'm That's sure, fair. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he's a good good guy and good coach. Yeah. All right. So I guess with that, what is your, your worst hire? Because it sounds like you don't love a lot of these. Yeah. So in terms of worst head new head coaching hires, uh, I, 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 I don't want to say Urban Meyer is the worst one. I think... I think he can have some good short-term success with the Jags, especially with especially with Trevor Lawrence being drafted number one overall. Uh, but I, I don't I don't love the idea of sh- strictly head a college head coaching uh, head coaching guys becoming part of the NFL. We saw Nick Saban not have a lot of success, and Chip Kelly was exposed in Philly uh, and San Fran as well. And so I, I'll admit I don't love that hire. And then for Brandon Staley, he's a defensive guy, and I fi- I th- I thought they were going to go with Brian Dayball, a guy who has really helped Josh Allen um, become a elite quarterback in the league, and I I thought it'd be a great fit with Justin Herbert, uh, given how he performed in his rookie season, and uh, I would have liked to seen an offensive guy become the head coach there and see Justin Herbert become an even better quarterback. Uh, so I'm I don't love that hire either, but the the worst one in my opinion, no doubt, uh, is Dan Campbell with the Lions. I think he's a cool guy. I think he I, I, he's great to listen to, and I think he'd make a perfect uh, a perfect high school head coach, head football coach. But uh, I, I he's not an NFL head coach whatsoever. I know he had some success in Miami, but I remember when they faced each other in New England, he was, it was the probably the biggest coaching mismatch I've ever seen in my life. And I I I I don't love it. I I don't love his side. I think players in in Detroit will be more willing to play for him than Matt Patricia. Uh I think he can relate to the players more, but I don't love this hire even a little bit. <laughs> no offense to the guy, but he's not a head foot NFL head coach. So, I'm going to go with Dan Campbell is the worst hire. I I have to agree with you know most of what you said there. I I I also think Dan Campbell is the worst hire for all those reasons. Now, 
maybe he's an upgrade on Matt Patricia in terms of being just a personable player coach, and maybe that's what the Lions need right now. But in terms of winning games, I don't know if he's the guy that you want igniting with. It's likely a rebuild at this point. Um, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the the Campbell hire as well. Um, but I guess just in terms of the the Chargers hiring Brandon Staley, I think Staley can be a good hire for that team. But like you, I'm disappointed when Brian Dable was considered the favorite and then they just wound up going with Staley. I think Dable would have been really solid addition to that offense. Staley, he's another guy where like the Sean McVay connection, but it's on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't know if it's fair to say, okay, look at Zach Taylor in Cincinnati and expect the same thing from Staley with the the Chargers for you know that reason because it's the opposite side of the football. He's a quick riser. I I know he's someone who had already been getting a lot of uh, interviews, and there was a belief that he'd be a head coach sooner than later. But um, you know, I I had said that the, the Chargers job feels cursed, and it, it doesn't feel like this is going to be a great hire. And it, it felt like the Chargers are have been a head coach away from being a Super Bowl contender since 2006. And uh, I don't think that Staley is going to be the guy to turn that team around. And then finally, Urban Meyer, another one that I don't like. But the one thing that I, I disagree with you is you think that there's a good chance of short-term success but not long-term success. I think it's the opposite. I think in the short term, it's going to be tough because Trevor Lawrence is going to be a rookie quarterback. And I'm assuming that they'll use their cap space to bring in some veterans, but I don't think it's going to be like this hugely appealing place where like all these the top free agents are going to want to go to Jacksonville right away maybe he'll get a lot of former Ohio State players that he coached uh, at, but I realistically feel like um, in the short term things can be kind of ugly and if Urban Meyer isn't willing to stick around and we've seen in the past he's uh, he's stayed at places for a little while but maybe not as long as they would have liked you know going back to Florida and Ohio State days in college um, and like you, I, I also don't know if I even trust the transition from college to NFL for a guy like Meyer. So um, I, I'd be even tempted to say that this was the worst hire, just give that I believe Jacksonville was the best destination. But in the end, yeah, Campbell to the Lions, it, it seems like the silliest of the, the five to this point. I mean, just looking at his coaching experience, he was a tight ends coach from 2011 to 2015, and then... He did the same thing as well with the Saints from 2016 to, to now, and he was an assistant to the head coach. He's not a, not <laughs> assistant coach. He's assistant, assistant to the. To what, the so what is he? What, what is he giving coffee or something? Yeah, like, what? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, assistant like, to ends, the regional manager. Yeah, and, and out of all the position, like he, he's a tight ends coach, so, so he's not even like a, a. Even if he were like a special teams coordinator, at least you're coaching a group of guys. Like tight ends coach, it's like what three dudes, and two of them probably <laughs> yeah. suck. I yeah. mean, like, what can you possibly do as a tight ends coach? Like, hey, go block that guy. Oh, hey, go run up, go run a route. Like, what, what responsibilities are there in terms of coaching? What three dudes and two of them not? At least two of them probably not even being worth coaching I, I don't know <laughs> I don't know if just what the success is in terms of guys making the jump from position coach to head coach but uh, I, I can't imagine that there's a ton of guys in the league who did that and had had success out of it so um, yeah I, I don't know it feels like that's that's going to be a bad hire but that's the Lions that's kind of what we've been used to so um, I don't know that <laughs> their fortunes are going to be turned around anytime soon all right, that'll uh, yeah, that'll wrap up with uh, the NFL talk, and uh, let's uh, let's dive into some baseball news. And uh, we're not necessarily talking about stuff that we 
expect to see on the field this year. Uh, there was a, a big story, a, a bombshell report that came out late on Monday night. And uh, New York Mets general manager Jared Porter, uh, in a, a story by ESPN's Jeff Passan and Mina Kimes, acknowledged sending 62 unanswered text messages, including some explicit photos to a female reporter while he's working for the Chicago Cubs in 2016. Uh, the Mets uh, the, this morning promptly fired Porter. And all I got to say is, like, th- this is, like, such a Mets story to come out. Like, of all the teams who's going to have a general manager that they hire – Two months later, have to fire him for sexual harassment. It's like, yeah, the Mets are the, the team that you would expect to be the ones that have to do that. Yeah, especially after last year. I mean, this it's not even the the same stratosphere, but I mean, remember last year with when Carlos Beltran is the exact same Carlos, thing. Carlos yeah. Beltran, and then all of a sudden he's gone after like a week because of all the stuff that happened in Houston. It's just, yeah, it it does seem like a typical Mets thing, and. It sucks when in your sport the best thing or not best thing but like the biggest thing to happen all off season like it was it was Lindor to the Mets at one point yeah last but, week like but yeah but now if if you were to ask ask yourself like what is the biggest uh, news story in base in the baseball off season right now would you wouldn't you say this not even an actual sign the just, top three just bad... the top three biggest stories I mean the, the Mets were riding high they brought in Steve Cohen as their owner he's gonna spend all this money they go out and they trade for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco this is it this is the winning team that the Mets have been longing for like they are finally right up there with the Yankees and the Dodgers the other big market bullies and then there's this with Jared Porter gets caught sending nude like dick pics to a female reporter after 61 straight unanswered messages 61 like so earlier like when we were trying to get back on and like figure out what was going on i sent you four texts being like all right brian like hey yeah the power is out this is going on oh it's back up and going i'm ready when you are and i was like all right this feels weird like i don't know what's going on that was four we were trying to do a podcast together. Like I can't even comprehend sending someone six so, so, unanswered so were messages. You, so were you thinking about sending me a, a dick pic uh, to get me, no, well, I, to get I me back you, on the air? I sent you that weird <laughs> selfie of Jared Border yeah. that he sent. Yeah. And this is the third message. Like I, 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 this is just such a weird move. Like I don't understand why like some guys think that way and like like that that is that's it like yeah it's you know at, at time 60 61 like this is the one where i'm finally gonna get a response like and then just to go uh brett Favre, like we we learned he he did it right i'm gonna do the same thing like and uh it's just it's crazy why 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 60 60 61 60 i guess the guy did, you, i don't know when you just give i mean if how did this guy get a general if, manager job when he that's <laughs> how he thinks humans interact like yeah, and it, and the thing is, like, this is also like kind of a really unfortunate thing. Like, of course, sexual harassment is a big part of this, and like the female reporter, so she's foreign, and she was someone who I guess was so ashamed of this happening that she decided to leave the industry and move back to her home country. And uh, apparently, this this was a news that ESPN had had for a few years now, but uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where they uh, they they weren't able to move forward with it in some cases to protect the victim, but also like there, there wasn't as big of a need to out this random guy. But now that he's general manager of the Mets, it's like, all right, now that the time is right for it. Um, 
But I mean, absolutely, like it, it seems like a good thing because I don't know how you can trust a guy like this to be your general manager. Like, no, no, of course not. I mean, I'm kind of on the fence of in, in in terms of should you fire guys for something that they did a long time ago, like something bad that they did a long time ago with a different organization. But something like this, I mean, come on. It's 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 crazy though. <laughs> not, not, like, not even, no, the, not even gonna think it about was it. The, the Mets had the same thing with Beltron last year where it's like he was part of the sign ceiling for a different organization years ago. Porter was doing this for the Cubs years ago and the, the Mets are the victims. But, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it just kind of goes to show that a lot of this stuff can kind of be you know swept under the rugs that uh, this things can't get out um, I guess so President Sandy Alderson of the Mets he was giving a press conference and someone had asked it was like oh like everyone that we talked to had just great things to say about this guy and like one of the reporters asked him did you talk to any women and he said no and I think that there's there's two immediate thoughts for that is one is well what woman do you talk to to kind of get this out there and number two is like should that really be <laughs> A concern or is it just a point where it's like there's not enough women in baseball like there's just like a lot of a lot of issues that kind of go beyond that and I, I think that there's a lot of different things that kind of need to be addressed I mean earlier this offseason Kim Ang was hired by the Miami Marlins the first ever female general manager in all of sports and then this is a few months later you know something like this comes out it's uh not a great look for baseball not a great look for the New York Mets it was a great look for the Mets that they they acted swiftly and fired the guy but it, it is kind of crazy that this, this guy was able to kind of rise the ranks just 62 unanswered text messages i how, how, how do you not stop after like a few i thought i was gonna have to like our when, podcast was over i was like all right that's it we're not doing a podcast tonight like i guess brian and i are not friends anymore he won't respond to my text <laughs> after four ah <laughs> uh, just i mean i mean if you're if i mean if 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 you were ever like talking to like texting like a girl and she doesn't respond after a few texts, wouldn't wouldn't you just stop? You would like think, just like all right, you know what? She she this girl just doesn't like hand. me. Yeah, or whatever. Like I I just I don't understand how it even gets to that point. And it's it's a really unfortunate story. This is something that goes beyond just a creep. Like this is just psycho move. And uh, yeah, I mean I I can't imagine that Porter gets any kind of a serious position in this industry again. Um, just given uh, how how that's all played out and. Uh, yeah, it's back to back to the drawing board for the Mets. You know, back to reality. Oh, back, like this. back to the drawing board. Yeah. yeah. All right. We, the drawing board. Uh, all right. We can't draws a dick on yeah. the board. We can't take a picture of that and send it to other coworkers. We can't do that. That's that's a no no. Yeah. That's the drawing board. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I it's just just a, a a beautiful New York Mets story, and uh, yeah, it's uh you know right as right as things were good, they they just needed this this come down, and uh, I guess it's it's better to happen in January than it is to happen during the actual baseball season. So, um, I I, I expect the Mets to continue. You know they'll they'll bring in someone else. Alderson will continue to do his thing. Cohen will continue to pay up money, and the Mets will continue to be players. But uh, this certainly seems like a setback for that organization when uh, it felt like they could do no wrong. So. All right, let's uh let's get ready to wrap up today's episode and let's move on to the five question segment. So, uh, let's uh let's start things out with a sports themed question here. Uh, not all of them will be, but number one, this is one that it still feels relevant to talk about, even though it has been uh, at least a week since you're listening to this. So last week, the Brooklyn Nets sent four first round picks 
four pick swaps, and several players to the Houston Rockets and a four-team trade to land the former league MVP James Harden. Who will end up the biggest winner of this trade? Um, I mean, sneaky winner would be the Pacers because they got Karis LeVert. But, Absolutely. Uh, and but in terms of between these two teams, if I had to pick, I would, I would lean with the Rockets just because they get to start fresh and they have all these picks. I know, I know, sometimes picks don't matter, but I, I don't know. That's four picks and four swaps. That's and they get rid of. They get to get rid of Harden and start fresh, and with with who they got, I think obviously short term that doesn't really help, but I think ultimately they will be the winners of this. And then the, another reason why is just because I don't, I I think Brooklyn is obviously great, and I think they have a legit shot of making the finals, especially with Harden now. But I I I still don't really trust them. And I, I I love what Barkley said that KD he's not he went from being with the Splash Brothers to the Dribble Brothers. So <laughs> yeah. you got so yeah you have three elite players, but I don't know two of them at least two maybe all three of them are really ball dominant and and I, I don't love the brand of basketball James Harden plays with, with this all this ISO. Maybe it's gonna be a little bit different in Brooklyn. Who knows? And then with Kyrie, I mean I, I talked about how many how much I just hate the guy and. And now the guy is disappearing literally, can disappear literally on the court and figuratively. I mean, like off the court now and just not even show up for games. Yeah, go, missing like a week and a like half. It. And just, I just think he's a ticking time. I, I don't really have that much concerns about Harden. I, I know he's fat, and but I'm sure he can he, he can just be motivated and lose the weight. And I, I'm, I'm sure the, the Rockets practice gear – didn't help his look and maybe he just needed to add on a another size because maybe he was <laughs> wearing a size that was just a little bit too, too small, too small yeah point. that's that's why yeah he maybe like that. yeah because i think looking at other pictures and, and videos i think he isn't that like he yeah, no, he that, just yeah, he didn't want to be in houston like he was like going to yeah, clubs and stuff yeah, he, all off season like he wasn't yeah, that, putting himself in basketball shape that the element that's kind of what I hate about the league is that players like that can do whatever they want to get out of the situation that they're in, and and then they'll. It, I think I think the players. I think it's great that players have power, but I don't. I hate that the players have that much power in in that league, and so I think it sucks in that point. Now from book, so from Brooklyn's standpoint, now I know I, I said that Houston I think will be the eventual winner, but I kind of like the the insanity of of what the of what the Brooklyn Nets are doing because yeah. talent wins oh. talent trumps everything in that league yeah and, certainly in the now yeah. the Nets are getting the best player in this deal yeah and I know they lose a lot of depth but I mean who cares you got you got three elite players on your team and if and if they and if all three of them are clicking then yeah watch out even if even if even though they lost some key depth guys like Lavert and Jared Allen which will hurt for sure you got you got a big three. It, 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 I mean, that's kind of what's been for all these for for a long time now. With if you if you get this stacked, uh, super stacked team, uh, you can you can definitely contend. So I don't. So yeah, I'm with Houston, but I don't mind the 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 risk taking on Brooklyn's part either. So when uh when this trade first went down in our he's done it group chat you know ben sent us the news and we started responding to it and you know live live texting as the uh the details came out my my first thought was the kg paul pierce trade on steroids because 
you know, when the when the Celtics traded Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce to the Nets, they received three first round picks unprotected as well as a pick swap. And that was what led the Celtics to getting Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And nobody is going to argue that the Nets won that trade. That is a trade that you can argue how much the Celtics won it to this point, given that they haven't won a championship out of it. But they certainly have uh, they, they got two phenomenal players and the, the, the Nets just simply got two guys on the back end of their career that didn't contribute to any kind of playoff success in Brooklyn. Uh, all that being said, I, I feel like I'm going to take the unpopular opinion here and say that I think the Nets will end up being the biggest winner. And part of the reason why I believe that, because it sounds kind of crazy, like, oh, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant all together. There's no way this can work. And if it does work, they're obviously, like, at the, the best, like, this is the best team in basketball, having those three guys. If they can figure out to coexist, they're the best team. Nobody can compete with that kind of big three. But I think the biggest reason why I think that this can work out really well for the Nats long term and eventually get them a championship is because as soon as things really start to go wrong, Kyrie's out the door. They'll find a way to get rid of him. They'll he'll have whatever value it takes because it could be as simple as a addition by subtraction with him. Because he's the wild card in this group. Kevin Durant, you know, we saw him go to Golden State. He joins that big three with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, who, you know, at the time Steph Curry was winning unanimous MVP. Kevin Durant came in and he didn't have to act like the best player on that team to for everyone to realize he's the best player on that team. And I think that James Harden is someone who can come in and he can kind of accept that with Durant and kind of be yeah, the one B to, to his one A. He has to accept the fact that Durant is is the guy there and not him. Yeah. For it to work. Yeah. And I think that's something as that, well as Kyrie. I think I know. I know. And I think that's something that Harden would be willing to do. And if it gets to that point, I think that a big two of just Durant and Harden is, is still right up there with I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron James is maybe the only top two that can, can still top that. And with the way Kevin Durant's playing, like, I don't even know if that does because he, he doesn't look any different than he did before his, uh, his Achilles injury a couple of years ago. No, he, yeah, he's he's been playing great. I, it doesn't even look like it's even bothering him. Yeah, and if uh, if the Nets do keep this thing together and they are winning, then those draft picks going to Houston, those are like in the twenties. That's not anything substantial at all. That's so, a good point. Yeah, you could it could just be like the Celtics where they have all they have all these assets, but like none of them do any do anything for them. Yeah, so to outside me, of maybe Peyton Pritchard, <laughs> and yeah, and I think that I think that's what it's really going to come down to. So I, I feel like in the end, I, I feel confident that the Nets are going to at least get to an NBA Finals in the next few years. But um, you know, I I part of that confidence I don't, I don't, is because I don't think Kyrie is going to be a part of it if it becomes an issue. Yeah, as much as I hate Kyrie, like I'm not gonna totally disagree with you if you pick Brooklyn as a as a winner of this trade. I'm just not. They they are, they're stacked right now. Yeah, talent wise, like it, it's hard to argue that they're not the immediate like winners in uh at least the 2021 season. So, uh, but I, I I think one thing with Karis Levert going to Indiana, I think that's great for them moving on from Victor Oladipo who really didn't seem like he wanted to be there but uh they Levert upon his physical it actually determined he had some kind of like kidney issue so right, that feels yeah. like I a disappointing s- setback but um he's I, he's under contract for three more years and he said it's kind of a blessing that he was he was traded because he felt healthy and he didn't think he would have discovered that otherwise so uh, i think that's that's really 
really unfortunate that it happened, but at the same time, fortunate that he, he figured that out. Um, I do like Levert in Indiana long-term, though. Yeah, I, I like Levert as well. So All right. So question number two, President, President Donald Trump was recently permanently banned from Twitter. So what what other accounts do you wish would be permanently banned from that platform? So I feel like there are like three directions you can go with this question. So one of them is you can stick with the political route. I don't necessarily want to do that. Um, but uh, I think that that's, <laughs> that's one where a lot of people will be like, oh, like all these different politicians they hate. I'm really on both sides of the aisle. There are, probably, there are a lot of uh, annoying politicians on, on Twitter that you know, I would much rather them uh, not be there. Um, and then uh, the other route, like the, the second route you could take is kind of like a personal thing, like, you know, people you might know in your life and that's not really relevant in terms of like this kind of uh, conversation we're having. So to me, the third route that I'm going to take is people who tweet about stuff that is of great interest to you. And, you know, being a sports podcast, like we're obviously big sports fans. Um, I think I have a, a few options here. There's not really any that immediately come to mind. And I think part of that is because I wouldn't follow an account that I want to be deleted. So uh, I, I just I maybe can't think of some obvious ones off the top of my head. But in terms of some really relevant ones, a lot of those weird Cleveland Browns fans accounts have been just very obnoxious. And, uh, you know, the fact that the Steelers lost them, just it makes it hard to see anything that they could post right now, like McNeil, Sir Yacht, Gabby Gowdy. There's, there's probably a ton of Basically, anyone who tweets hashtag Browns or has hashtag Browns in their bio, just wipe them off the app for a little while. It would make my life so much easier. Uh, outside of that, there is an account that I've had blocked for a long time that's probably not really fair to throw out here because it's just very specific tweets they do, but that's only in Boston. I wouldn't be surprised if you follow them. Uh, they, I just think that a lot of the stuff they used to post was very obnoxious when I came to Boston sports, particularly the Patriots. And I think that was what just led me to block them. I was like, I don't want to see this anymore. Um, but I mean, at the same time, they probably do have a lot of relevant just Boston stuff beyond just sports. So it's, it's hard for me to throw them out there. And then if I had to take someone kind of from like my circle in terms of um, fan bases that I actually root for rather than root against. It would be uh, Andrew Filipponi, who he's a, a Pittsburgh radio guy. He's someone who's just he's constantly throwing out a bunch of random stuff out there. I, I I disagree with his takes a lot. It seems like every time he says some somebody or some team is going to be good, they're terrible, and uh, he just has that like pony curse. And I, I think he's someone that a lot of Pittsburgh sports fans have found annoying. Um, who who is the Boston guy that you said? Only that? in Boston. It's just like oh, a generic. Oh, oh. Only in Boston. Only in Boston. Oh, I, I'm yeah. I might. I'm and I'll admit I. I I probably would. You like probably this would stuff. have no issue with them. Yeah, I probably would. Yeah, like so I, admit, I probably don't. I probably wouldn't blame you then. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, there's, it, there's so for many someone Boston like me, it would just it would just go throw out there. For someone like me, it would just go right. Just right over my head, like yeah, oh, you oh. have no issue with them posting yeah. stuff about right. like the Patriots. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. All right. So, well, first of all, I do agree in terms of, uh, I'm I'm gonna not use one person. I would say like yeah, if I could take a, a section out, yeah, it'd be just just anything p- politics related, uh, from both sides. Just not just Trump, but just anyone involved in that stuff and pu- putting up putting uh, annoying stuff about politics and everything else that's going on in the world. And uh, 
But what I decided to do was just stick with sports because that's what I know. And I decided to pick an, an a sports analyst that I don't like at all. And I went with <laughs> I went with Skip Bayless. I had he's a feeling just, you would say Skip yeah. Bayless. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's just the worst, and he's not as annoying now as he used to be because he used to be on ESPN, and now he's on Fox Sports. And I don't watch Fox Sports, and especially with see, see I like I like I like Stephen A. I, he's not the smartest guy, but I, I like Stephen A. And I can I, see why I people, do too. I can see why people wouldn't like him though. I get it. I I think Stephen A. is is great at what he does because he's just there to rile people up and get viewers. And I used to hate Skip Bayless. Uh, I thought about throwing him out there, but I realized that a lot of his thoughts are actually more kind of in agreement of me in terms of like his big ones and like some of the people he hates. But uh, there's certainly like a lot of people like I know he's a huge Tom Brady fanboy and that got very annoying at times, but he hates LeBron. So like this, you give and take with him, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it's just it, it's just that he has, yeah, super obvious biases. And, he, and yeah, I'm sure really there are a lot of people who would throw him out there. Yeah. Um, and so to. To quote some of his worst takes on Twitter, I, I, I just love, I have them all right in front of me. Well, one of them, okay. uh, Manti Teo, the next Ray Lewis. <laughs> That's oh, a good one. Oh, there you go. Um, let's see. For the next 10 years, give me Josh Freeman over Cam Newton. <laughs> that didn't, that, <sighs> that certainly didn't. It looks like well. maybe for a year could have worked yeah, out. Yeah, maybe the first, first year he was <laughs> all right, but. Yeah, Freeman well, almost led the Bucks to the playoffs. Right, yeah. Uh, and then this is my this is my favorite one. Uh, it's actually two of them, but it's about the same same person. Okay. The Houston Texans will forever regret it if they do not take Johnny Manziel yes. with the number one overall yep, pick. I remember that. He will one. haunt them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then a combination of that is Johnny. I love. Oh, I love this one. Johnny Football will one day be bigger in Cleveland than his buddy LeBron ever. ever wow. <laughs> ever was. That's a good one. God. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that he was so obsessed with Johnny Manziel. I, I think anyone who had takes like that, uh, <laughs> they're they're hiding those. All right. Um, so question number three: What is a well liked food that you just can't stand? I got a f- I got a few. Uh, I wrote down a few ones. I I didn't want to just put one. Uh, I put down cake. I'm not really a big cake. Really? I, I mean, I it's okay. I mean, like I, a specific I'll kind I like- of cake or just in general. Just in general, like just, I mean, I like ice. I love ice cream, but I, yeah, cake. I, I just doesn't do. Do you it for like me. ice cream love, cake? Yeah, I like. I, I yeah, love I ice like cream ice, cake. That is my yeah. Favorite ice cream, kind of cake. ice cream cake is pretty good, but I, I don't, I don't love the just the bland cake where it's just the frosting and element. I like like cupcakes, especially ones that aren't as great. Some place, some random local places have really great cupcakes, but some of them don't, and. I don't know. I, I don't. I I think cake is a little overrated. But one, a couple of ones that I really don't like that everyone loves. I don't like hot dogs. I I don't know if that no. has to do with the fact. Yeah, I don't know if it has to do with the fact that I didn't care for the hot dogs in like elementary or middle school, and it just scarred me for life or whatever. But I just never really like hot dogs, and I don't like mustard. So it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, in there opinion. you go. I um I went through a phase where I didn't like hot dogs, and I didn't like steamed hot dogs. So I kind of see where you're going at, and I I. Um, I remember this probably high sometime one summer in high school, I was uh, working for my cousin's landscaping company and, uh, one of his like friends from high school or whoever, someone they knew was running a hot dog stand in, uh, in Nashua and they, uh, 
they they wanted to go there for lunch for that reason and i was like all right i guess i have to have a hot dog and i just remember it being amazing and it had ketchup and mustard on it and i was like oh that's why i didn't like hot dogs because my the rest of my family doesn't like mustard and they would just eat hot dogs with ketchup which i think is so gross and really the only time that i'll eat mustard is on a hot dog and i i don't love either of those things but um, I, I don't think it's crazy to not like hot dogs by any means. And, uh, you know, at one point in my life, that would have been an answer for me to this question. So, um, but for me, I mean, the, there are two obvious ones that stand out. There's probably others that I could throw out there. Uh, but the, the two big ones, one of them I'll apologize for because I really can't wrap my head around why I don't like it. And that is um, avocados and guacamole. I, I, I don't. <laughs> see, I don't care for those either. So many people are obsessed with them. Like you, people will buy like Chipotle shirts that say like, uh, "Yes, I know the guac is extra or whatever." And uh, I, I've every time I try it, I'm like, I have to like this. Like, how, how could I not like it? And yet I don't. And you know, avocado toast is just this hugely popular thing, and I just have no desire to eat it. Um, so yeah, to me that. You know, avocados, guacamole, that is absolutely up there. And then the other one that I don't apologize for, and I, I do think is kind of disgusting how many people love it, and that's sushi. And I, I just can't can't get behind it. I, I think it's so gross, like just the raw fish and a lot of the stuff that goes in it anyway I'm not a huge fan of. But, yeah, sushi to me I'm, is one where I, I don't like it all. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like either of those, like, or I agree with you on those choices. I mean, and I, I'm, I'll admit, I'm probably too picky of an eater, but yeah, like I, yeah, you're like definitely a pickier eater. Than oh, me. I'm, I'm definitely, I definitely am. Like, anytime I've been in the Philippines, there, there are, there are breakfasts where I, I straight up eat Cheerios, and I get, <laughs> I get judged there, and I don't yeah. care. Like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a super, super picky guy. I don't want any of this other stuff. Just give me the bowl of cereal. <laughs> Is sushi big in the Philippines? Sort of, not, not. Not real, or kind of a little yeah. bit. Um, I mean, it's Japanese, other... and I know the Philippines yeah. is you know close there. But... Not really, yeah. It's... So it's not even like dishes. sushi is not a thing that you wouldn't eat there. Like there's just like other other uh, Filipino I, I, just, food. Just, just give me sesame chicken, fried rice, whatever, <laughs> any of the simple stuff that I would. And that, those aren't pop... breakfast foods. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just meant like in terms of like lunch and yeah. dinner. Yeah. Uh, 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 crab rangoon. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I love crab rangoon. So I'll admit my my choices in terms of uh like Chinese Filipino food or whatever yeah I'll admit there it's limited and I'm oh, I'm already a picky eater to start with so yeah okay I, it's definitely a mess for me I'll admit yeah so uh, th- this was a a very uh, specific question for you to ask because it's like every food you just don't yeah just like. just just name anything it's fifty fifty good chance I won't like it yeah okay <laughs> all right question number four how excited are you for the weekends, not like the week, like literally the person, the weekends halftime show at Super Bowl Fifty Five. See, I think if you had just finished that sentence, everyone would have known what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's you a good point. I, I was, I was reading that. I was like, it. I was like, yeah, crap. I, I think I should have just read on. Uh, that's okay. Um, I would say I'm less excited than I was for uh, J Lo and Shakira last year, but I, I mean, I'm excited. I've always been a, a big fan of the weekend. I think. Um, his big song is one of his newer ones. Blinding lights is like yeah, such blinding. a hit that I, I think everyone 
could listen to that and enjoy it because even just like the the music part of it um to me it kind of has like a very 1980s feel so i feel like that's a song that can really be a hit with pretty much anyone watching the super bowl whether they're younger generation or older generation it's certainly overplayed now and especially the commercial but i'll admit i it is a it is a good song i i can't i i i, I gotta admit it, it's it's definitely super catchy and that's probably my favorite song from him and I like uh, that song. Uh, is it can't can't feel can't my feel face. my face? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that song as well. Uh, so yeah, I I'm fine with that choice. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, just do, just do better than Maroon Five. That's all I ask for. That's the li- yeah. that's literally the bare minimum. <laughs> I Travis like. Scott. Yeah, just and, do better than that show, and yeah. I will have positive thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that last year's halftime performance was one of the greatest ever. And uh, it, it was very refreshing after some not as great halftime shows. So uh, it would be great if um, the weekend can kind of continue that trend. But it's going to be hard to live up to, to last year's performance for sure. You, you and Ben certainly like last year's halftime show more than I do. But again, just do Ben Moon Five, and <laughs> that's that's all I ask for. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's wrap this up with question number five. What is something right now that makes you more irrationally angry than it really should? Uh, well, I've talked about this before, but I just I just hate traffic. And the, the traffic the isn't really thing, even a thing right now, though. Yeah. That's, see, but it sort of is a little bit. You'd be surprised. But the, yeah, the biggest thing, not the as biggest bad thing as that really ma- makes me angry is just giant crowds. Like we saw the... So so Alabama won the national championship uh, the other the other week. And yeah, there was a giant crowd of people just just thousands of people just celebrating the championship. And it's like, yeah, it's great, but it's like you gotta <laughs> you gotta be aware of what's on. going yeah. on. And it's like it's it's not smart. And I remember when I went Christmas shopping before Christmas, right before Christmas, uh, not literally Christmas Eve, but like a week before. And when I went to the the mall. I've never seen that many people at the mall, and it was during a pandemic. Like it, sh- it wow. that shouldn't happen. That's shocking that, to me. Like it, it shocked me that there were like there's like basically like literally nowhere to park, mm-hmm. and at the mall during a pan. Like I know it's Christmas shopping. It's it, it's a a season of joy, but it's just I, I I've never seen that many people there at the mall, and, and it would happen. It had to happen now, and it's just yeah. Or during pandemic times, I I just that sort of made me angry and, and the few minutes like not literally a few minutes but the short time that i was there shopping anytime i was in the mall i'm i'm scooting over one side to the other uh trying to avoid as much as many people as possible i'm probably dumb to say this but i i think the mask thing certainly helps but i care way more about the distance than the mask thing I, that's probably not a great it's probably not a smart take but that's how i feel like i i would rather i i'd rather have the the distance uh, uh away from people than uh the mass i mean like i'm i'm great with either though I'm, yeah i mean I ideally you have both but yeah i mean i i, I definitely understand that concept where like <laughs> You don't want to just rely on the mask. You feel safer relying. Yeah, it's not. It's not a distance. force field. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not this magic. Oh, I got a mask on. I'm not gonna get it. Like you can still. It limits the spread a lot. A lot, but doesn't that doesn't mean you're just not gonna get it? Uh, yeah. So I don't know if it like 
if that should be even considered irrationally angry. Like, I think it's absolutely no, that's irrational a, that's a to good, have that. That's there's a, a lot point. of COVID stuff that makes me angry, it's, but I don't think it's, it's just, irrational. Like, it's just it's just that there are so many people. I think there are a lot of people that do take it seriously and care, but I think there are a lot of people that also don't, don't and just yeah. treat it like, oh, it's just the flu, no big deal. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know that, like, um, you know, people just refusing to wear masks and holding protests and stuff of like anti-mass protests it's just the, that that makes me angry but i i feel like that there's a rational anger That's, um yeah yeah so i guess in Good terms point. of irrational angers which you know these are others that i kind of feel are rational others would probably disagree so uh both of them are kind of related to my my favorite sports teams one is more just in general when uh people spell pittsburgh without the h i just think it's so dumb and like it I want part of me wants to say like all right like I only care because it's my own team but you never see it with any other city it's not like every city sports team is like just an easy phonetic pronunciation like I just don't understand how someone can watch sports like watch football and watch baseball and watch hockey and not know how to spell Pittsburgh especially given so, that the Steelers and Penguins are such prominent teams like the fact that people still spell those teams without the H. So I got one for you now, an irrational one, and it's kind of a similar yeah. topic. So the Patriots, they don't play in Boston. They play in Foxborough. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are two different ways to spell Foxborough. Oh, I've yeah. never known. I've never, like, it, it's, it's the it's O-R-O and then, like, yeah. the... R-O-U-G-A. It's just... I don't know. I, Every city wish, in Maslet is like that, where you see yeah. them in signs. Like, I don't know how to spell it either. I've, I've, I've seen it spelled both ways so many times, and I just, I don't, I don't know <laughs> how do you pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. It's that that definitely sort of so yeah that's my that's my irrational one there you <laughs> go thank you yeah I mean I, even like Shannon Sharp who's like Skip Bayless's co-host on their uh, Fox Sports show like recently which is another dumb tweet saying like oh like we sure is not Big Ben like everyone wants to blame Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell like how how can you still sit here and like after everything that's happened try to say oh no Bell and Brown weren't part of any kind of issue. Like yeah, one dude literally held out for a year, and the other is a psychopath. Yeah, and like to see what Bell has done since holding out, like I, I, that's just kind of silly. And it's just like to me, whenever <laughs> I see someone spell it without the H, I'm like, whatever you're trying to say is totally invalid. Like this is just a joke, and uh, I'm I'm gonna give you no respect or no credibility. Um, and then I guess like somewhat on the lines, the lines of Pittsburgh, one where, um. I don't know whether this one should be considered irrational or not. Um, maybe I'm irrationally not angry, but uh, I really get annoyed when people, uh, I don't even want to call them fans, but people reply to Pirates' Twitter and Facebook posts every time they do anything, just saying, oh, Bob Nutting, and oh, like no payroll, and oh, like sign guys, and all this stuff. It's like, this team was the worst team in baseball. Why are you upset that they just traded a pitcher who had a 428 ERA in three seasons in Pittsburgh and got back five prospects for him? Like, why is that a bad thing? Like, what do you want this team to do? Like, they're going to get the number one overall pick. They're going to get a stud pitcher from Vanderbilt. Like, this, everything that Ben Charrington is doing is great. Like, he's just tearing down this team. He's trading away Josh Bellwood one good month, and he brings in a top 10 prospect for the organization. Like, it, it's just, it's just 
frustrating seeing people say that because none of them really care about the Pirates. And you know these are the kind of people who would buy tickets to games in 2013 and 2014 and 2015. And we'll get in 2025 or wherever it is when the Pirates are finally good again. And it's, it's just like you don't care about this team. Why do you do this? Like why do you have to flood this with all this like stupid stuff that you clearly have no idea what you're talking about? Uh, and, you know, it's it's just it's just annoying. And like, I get it. The Steelers and the Penguins are always great. You want the Pirates to be, too. But it's just that's not how baseball works. This is not a salary cap in place. The Pirates have to tear down everything and have a great farm system and have any chance to be good down the road. You certainly had more to say about this question. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is like just like a, a sensitive topic right now. Um, and one thing I'll say is like they, it does seem like a lot of people do have very good reactions to the Musgrove trade, at least on Twitter. But on Facebook, it's just garbage. Like all these like 50 year old weirdos that are just I don't even know why they follow the pirates on Twitter and Facebook if they're going to say this stuff like just you don't care. So and I, I'd like to add another irrational thing. That makes that made me angry this weekend. Yeah, uh, I, I'll admit I I'll I'll fully admit I I like Mahomes a lot. I, I or I'm I'm a, I'm a big Mahomes guy. I think he's I think he's the man. So when he got concussed and Chad Henney came in, he he didn't look great at first. He threw that pick, but then he had that great last drive where he ran it for almost the first down, and then he had that clutch fourth down play. <laughs> and then there are just people, just just trolls. Not not most of them. Pretty much all of them were trolls saying it, but. Just seeing people say, um, Mahomes is a system quarterback. He's got all these weapons. It's just like, oh uh, God, I, just, I actually didn't just, see any of that, but that there, would make there, me angry. there were, I'm sure, I'm most, I, I saw enough where it's just like some of these people are actually serious about what they're saying. The Chiefs and, didn't even score with Chad Henney as quarterback. All they did was <laughs> not lose the game. They didn't win it because of Henney. Yeah. Uh, th- I saw it wasn't just one random tweet. It was I saw enough of them, enough people saying it, and it's just that's just dumb. Yeah, that's and that's dumb. I, I'm that, sure that's, a, that's I, not I'm an sure, irrational. I'm anger. sure that a is high to be angry about. I'm sure a high uh, majority of people would disagree with that, but there are enough people that <laughs> that don't that yeah. that that don't see it that way, which is dumb. No, I I I. I think that's just silly. Like you can point out that he has a lot of weapons, but to say because Chad Henney ran for a third and fourteen and picked up thirteen yards that the Mahomes is a systems quarterback, like stop. All right, that'll wrap things up for today. Um we we'll be back again with another episode next week. We'll talk recap the uh conference championship games, look ahead to the Super Bowl. I'm sure we'll have uh more more uh things to talk about beyond that as well. So, for Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. 